Hey, what's up? My name is Dusty Otis. I am the lead pastor here at The Grove in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for taking part of your day to be a part of this church, to engage in this message, and for supporting our ministry. It means more than you know. None of what we get to do happens without you. I pray that today's message speaks to your heart. I hope that it helps you move forward in your relationship with God, and I hope that you become just a little bit better in following Jesus because you took the time to listen today. Enjoy the message. Man, we're jumping into week two of A Better Way Forward, talking about the journey to getting to, to 2023 healthy. Everybody say healthy. And so my name is Dusty. I get to be the lead pastor here, and our family got to take family pictures yesterday, which is always eventful when you have five kids. And we're very thankful to Lauren, who put up with us for about an hour and a half. And so that's where we were and what we did. And it rained right before we started, so we were like, are we going to do this or not, right? But as you know, rain here lasts about 12 seconds, so, so we moved on. We're focusing really the next few weeks, really the, 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 continue, the rest of the Sundays, the final Sundays of 2022, we're going to be in this series, Tyler a Better Way Forward. We're just trying to, get to, trying to get you to a place where you can believe who God says you are, where you can be completely healthy, whole, complete, rolling and running into 2023, not running on adrenaline or caffeine, but with purpose to be proactive. Everybody say proactive. And so the series is founded on 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And this is the amplified version. This is the Apostle Paul encouraging us to be ready for the return of Jesus. And he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you through and through. That is separate you from profane and vulgar things, make you pure and whole and undamaged, consecrated to him, set apart for his purpose. And it says, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept, be kept complete. That's whole. And be found blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, to refresh just a little bit, because this is the foundation of the series, you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. Your spirit is who you are, it's your be identity. Your soul is your actual self, it is your intellect, it is your emotions, it is everything. And your body is your do identity, so this is who we are, this is how we operate, this is how we walk or go in the gifts that God's created us to go in. The spirit in the Bible is also referred to as your heart. Your soul in the Bible is also referred to as your mind, and the body in the Bible is also referred to as your flesh. And so if you've got an envelope, hold on to the envelope. If you opened it, it's okay, but don't, okay, because that's your action step. And so then, all good if you did, don't worry about it. Uh, have you ever heard the phrase, hey, you do you? If you've heard that, just raise your hand. Hey, you do you. This normally comes at a time where we're in disagreement, right? But we don't want to argue about it, so we just, we just cut it right there and go, hey, you do you, Okay. You do you, and, and I'll do me, and, and we'll, just, we'll just coexist, right? We'll just, we'll just figure it out, and we'll work it out. And whenever that comes up, I'll pretend that I don't hear it. And, and when, when I do something like that, you pretend that you don't hear it, and you just do you. And I just want to say that that, that comes with a clash of our values, right? There's integrity that's kind of being, being pulled and pushed, and we're just like, you know, how, what's the best way to get around this? You just do you, okay? I'm going to go and remove myself from this situation because you just need to go and do you. And the reality is this, because we operate in that way, the majority of people leave the face of the earth not knowing how to be themselves, how to be you. Because we just like to go to this do identity and just do, 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 and we operate from the flesh a lot. And that helps us do that. And because we get caught up in doing, we leave the face of this earth not knowing who God really called us to be. So then the goal today is to connect you to you. And, and the reality in what we do when we just do us is we unconsciously live somebody else's life or somebody else's expectations for us. And you can fill in those blanks because you guys are the ones who determine what those, 
what those expectations are or, or what we're chasing or who we're comparing ourselves to or fill in the blank, right? And the idea of actually living and leading completely whole stems from this bullseye uh, analogy that we wrote up last week. And essentially, the center is your soul. The Bible says that your soul is your innermost being. It also says that your flesh is your outermost being. It's what you see. It's how we operate. Hi. It's our five senses is, is how we operate. And our soul is what connects the two. And so then our mind, will, emotions, intellect, the social side of everything, our soul is what keeps our spirit and our body connected. And so when we talk about you doing you, and we, we push the button and say, hey, what if you were just to be you? That really strikes the core of our spirituality. It hits the core of who we are. And for most of us, depending on how spiritually healthy we are, that's uncomfortable for us, right? But what if instead of I said, hey, you do you, what if I said, hey, you just be you? You be you, and you're actually being who God created you, called you, chose you to be. What if instead of trying to please others, you actually just focused on and accepted and believed who God said you were and what God said about you. That's really the challenge. And so there's three points today. And inside those three points, I'll end each point with a question. So if you're a note taker, you can get ready to rock and roll. Proverbs 16, seven says this. This is one of my favorite Proverbs. It says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. He makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So then when your ways, when you're doing when the way that you go actually pleases the Lord, everything's in peace. Even my enemies are at peace with me. And that B word's a really big word there because that's who we are. And so today we're talking about connecting you with you instead of connecting you to others' ideas, beliefs, expectations of you. And so knowing that you can be and you are pleasing to God. I can't go into this, but Jesus' baptism, John baptized Jesus. Jesus comes out of the water and the clouds part and, and says, this is my son with who I am well pleased. God says this about his own son. And he says that about you as a son or a daughter. And he calls you by name. And he says, this is my son, Ross, who I love, and I'm well pleased. But we read that as like, well, that's Jesus' deal, and that's Jesus' dad, so that I get that. But really, God is our creator. He's our heavenly father. And the way he identifies with Jesus in that story is the same way that he identifies with you and me today. And so regardless of how you come in here or what you're carrying or the past that you continue by the way, don't miss next week. We're going to talk about beating what is behind you. We're going to talk about overcoming your past next week, okay? If you would just identify, and that changed my life. I can't, the only reason I can sit here and share with you this series, the only reason I can take you on this journey is because I went on a long time ago, and I do it every day still. The only reason I can share any of this stuff with you is because it's what God did for me. And I believe so much he did the same thing for you. That's why I can share it. And so then, if you can identify with Jesus' baptism, that would be huge because that's God actually identifying with you as a son or daughter. And in, and in going and being who God called us to be, this is what Paul is challenging us to do in Ephesians 4, chapter, tw or chapter 4, verse 22 through 24. And here's what he says. He says, regarding your previous way of life, you put off your old self, which is to completely discard your former nature. Anything that was, put it off, which is being corrupted through deceitful desires. Those desires come from your flesh, okay? Moving on to that next one, he says, and be continually renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh, regenerated, renewed nature created in God's image, God-like in the righteousness and the holiness of the truth, living in the way that expresses to God your gratitude for your salvation. So put on the new self, which is regenerated. That's a big word we talked about. When you receive Jesus, you are born again. Your spirit is regenerated. 
The very core of who you are is regenerated. And this saturates your soul and your body. This is how we become salt and light to people. Okay? It starts from the inside out. It's not an outward expression. Right? It's not, well, I know I should do that, so I'll do that because God will get credit for it. That's false. If it doesn't come, if it's disconnected from your heart, it's just an action. You guys with me? And so then when God says, all that stuff that, that, that was of you happened from your flesh, it is corrupt, it is deceitful, do away with it, okay? Because you've been regenerated, regenerated, having a fresh, untarnished mental and spiritual attitude. Refreshment comes. Refreshment only comes here because it starts here and it saturates. It expands, okay? So then you're creating God's image. So then live like you are righteous and holy because that's how God sees you and it's what he calls you, okay? So then to put on the new self is hard. It's super, super hard because you have a memory and you have a mind and you have a body and you have flesh and you have desires and you have dreams and you have aspirations and we constantly scroll through social media and compare and look at our neighbor's house and our neighbor's car and, and all the other stuff that, I don't do that, but I have, generally we do, okay? And so then in that, when I say it's really tough to be born again, to walk in a new frame of mind is tough because we only go back based off what we know. And so I can, I can pray to receive Jesus and I can have my spirit regenerated and before it ever gets to my soul, my mind will eliminate the fact that that just happened and I'll say, well, that, I'll talk myself out of it. And my self-talk will get me, 80% of your self-talk is negative anyway, so that makes it really, really hard to overcome. So then we don't go forward in a, in a renewed mind or a renewed body or a renewed spirit based off what we know. We go forward based on what we believe, okay? And so to put on the new self is hard because it means that I'm a baby all over again. When you're reborn, you're a baby all over again. Some people take offense to this. Don't. That'll stunt your growth, okay? That'll stunt your growth. The reality is, and the, the point, the first point is this, you're reborn a baby believer. You're reborn a baby believer. Not Benjamin Buttons, okay? The reality is as all of us in this room, none of us are as old spiritually as we are physically. We're all at different places in our journey. We're all at different points on the path, okay? And so then we're not at this, none of us are at the same place mentally or physically, let alone spiritually. So we can't pretend that when we pray to receive Jesus, and we walk in this new life that we're just, uh, we hit the ground running 100%, even though that's what culture in the world would like us to be, right? And so then, you are born again a baby because all children, all of God's children are born again, period. That's scriptural. I can show you a lot of those. If you're a child of God, you are born again, which means this age is different than the, these two ages. Does everybody say, yeah? Okay. Here's where you see this in Scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. And here's what it says when you become born again. You're a baby believer. It says, you actually need someone to teach you again the elementary principles of God's word from the beginning. You are continually in need of milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is a spiritual infant. That's not a bad thing. That is a great thing because it's good. That means it's fresh. Everybody say fresh. But solid food is for those who are spiritually mature, whose senses are trained by repetition to distinguish between what is morally good and what is not, between what is good and evil. And so then, we all need milk every now and again. When we become born again, when, we, when, we, when our soul gets regenerated, that's when we go back to 
not what we know. If we go back to what we know, we go back to our old self. We have to go and lean into what we believe, and to lean into what we believe is in here, okay? And I'm going to give that to you today. But this means we must reorient ourselves to what we believe about who we are moving forward as sons and daughters of God. So if we lean on the knowledge that, that, that was before, that's not good. And, and if we go and do the things that we did before, that's not good either because you're going to fall right back into that ditch. And everybody said amen. Right? And so to distinguish between those two, you have to think it's not about what I know, it's about what I believe because you made a heart change, not a mind change. And so we can all move forward based on what we know, and that's great, but that's only going to get us very, not very far, right? And some would tell you this is the longest journey you're ever going to take in your life, from your head to your heart. You have to get what's in your head out, and you have to get what's, what's in your heart to your head. What do you believe about who God is and what he's done for you to make you completely whole? Okay? Because your new self doesn't go from knowledge, it goes on belief. It goes on belief. And the reality in this is, when you're fresh, when you're brand new, you get to start all over and you get to build your life based on truth as opposed to what culture says or what somebody else says or what some ad says or what Instagram says. And you get to lean into God's way instead of going in your will or doing your will. God's will is always going to be better than great, greater, or God's will is always going to be greater than your way. And so this takes leaning into your spiritual side. Remember, we talked about this is how we connect with God with our creator. This is how we connect. And so if we, if we go without this, we're just two-thirds whole, okay? And if this is a wreck and overloaded, then we really, we're really playing with one. And if, if we like all that comfort eating and all that stuff, you know, that, that really makes us completely unhealthy, then we're really three versus none, and we're in bad shape. And we're not going to win. Does that make sense? And so then what typically happens in the process of salvation or regeneration or being born again being born again is you go back to what you ex you go back to what you didn't you expect change because you prayed a prayer. Well, I prayed the prayer, so everything should be different. Well, I'm sorry, the ignorant people around you don't know any different. They just don't, right? And so that, that's not going to change. And so then we then we go, okay, well, I'll just do what I was doing, but I'll just do it with a better attitude, right? And that in itself is going back to your old self. It's saying, put off those old things. Put off your way and walk in God's will, which is a belief that's in your heart. Go in your heart. Go in, in, in and by your spirit, not in your mind and flesh. The Bible tells us what we do when we do this. When we constantly go back to what we used to do, this is what it means to go back to work to gain the world. We're working to gain something in the external, something that we see, something that shows that we're worthy or that we're good enough. We work for that. And what we do is we work to gain the world and we lose our mind. We lose our soul in it. It's exhausting. It's exhausting. And Jesus, in Mark chapter 8, Jesus challenged us to follow him. He says, hey, follow me. Give me your heart. Let me lead you and you'll live forever. Okay? And you'll live forever. He says, but if you don't, I just got a question for you. What's it going to benefit you to continue to go back and do the things that you like to do and love to do? and gain the world, and gain acceptance, and approval, and gain all those things that, that make you feel really good for 13 seconds before something else hits you, okay? What, is, what good does it do to gain all those pleasures and forfeit your soul? Now, knowing that our spirit is our innermost part, and our soul is our go-between, it's, it's how we actually fulfill God's calling and gifting in our life. If I lose my soul, how is my spirit and body connected? 
not. It's not. So now I don't make good decisions, and I'm not thinking clearly, and I'm surrounding myself with bad things, and I'm, and I'm, you, the list goes on. The list goes on. And what does this mean in Mark 8? It says he's asking essentially what happens when we lose the space where we experience God's unfailing love. What's ha- what happens, because that's a big part of this, right? Because our spirit saturates our soul. So what happens when we lose this? What happens when you lose the place that you experience God's goodness and incredible forgiveness? What happens is you lose eternal perspective, which is life after this, right? And you just focus on day, well, I just got to get through today. And I just got to get through, and then tomorrow it's tomorrow. And, and for some of us, it's like, I just got to get to this hour this morning, right? We lose our eternal perspective, and, and we start to confuse what's important with what's not, right? And then we ultimately lose our heart. We lose our compassion. And people are just in our way, right? In other words, to gain the world, to gain approval, acceptance, to gain attention or admiration, but... To gain that, you lose your soul doing it, which disconnects us even more from the Father, right? And so remember, your soul is the go-between. That's what I already said. And so if you lose this, how do these two operate together? They don't. Two-thirds is not whole. God created you to be completely whole. Completely whole. And so if you lose, if you, if you lose this part, how do you connect your be, who you are, and what you do? And those decisions typically end up based off of this, not this, because we're babies here. We're just not as old or mature as we think we are, and that's me too. So remember that God wants to do more than just regenerate your spirit. He, just, he wants to do more than just hit this spot. He wants to work through your complete body. First Thessalonians, the scripture that we started this with, says the God of peace sanctify you through and through. That is holy, W-H, holy, completely one. He wants you to be one, and he wants you to be healthy, balanced. These are, these are equal triangles or whatever those... They're triangles with a rounded edge, okay? These are equal parts. If I, only, if I lean into my physical self and my spirit's here, then I've got like 80% body and, and 10% spirit and 10% soul. Does that make sense? He wants you balanced. He wants you to live completely whole, sanctified through and through. So then as a newborn, regenerated, born again, baby Christian, how can you be you instead of do you? I'm just going to do me. That's easy. And when you say that, you're just saying, I'm just going to lean on this, okay? I'm not going here. I'm just going to do this because that's what I know to do. And that's going back to your old self, and that is to gain the world, right? And so it, get, it begins with who you are, not what you do. We've created this model. We have to who's. We don't have to do's. We, we believe we exist for people, right? And it starts with who you are. So then what we do with our bodies and the physical self and, and the gift that we have in our mind is called vocation, Right? And it doesn't come from a voice that's out there that tells us what to do. It comes from a voice that's in here that says, this is who you are. And then what happens outside is, is a result of who I am, not what I do. That's why you don't need a blueprint. You just need to go in the belief that you have. Go in the faith you have. we said that so many times over the past few weeks. And when you do that, you fulfill the original purpose that God had for you, and you walk in the birthright that he gave you. Everybody say birthright. That's our second point. Here's the question to finish. Point one, two, oh, perfect. What if, there's two, there's two questions. What if you allowed your spiritual maturity, good, bad, 110, 19, 25, it doesn't matter the number. What if you allowed that to spark an expectation 
and an eagerness in your heart to grow in your relationship with God as opposed to do more? What if you approach your time and your relationship with him with trust and a willing heart? That means open hands. This is how we give, and we think this is a lot of the times this is how we give, but this is also how we receive. I can't receive like this. And so when I come willing and eager and expectant with open hands, I can both give God my heart and I can receive, which is how we connect in the spiritual realm, right? So point two, we just said it. You are born again with a birthright, with a birthright. Psalms 139 says, you, are, you form my inward parts, innermost being. You form my inward parts and you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Knitted all this together, used the soul to do it, right? My frame, your body, was hidden from you when I was being made, and you saw, your eyes saw my unformed substance, and you, in your book, wrote every day that was made before I ever existed. What it says. So then, you don't lose that. So many times we overlook Psalms 139 as Christians and like, well, man, I did my, my laundry list, my negative list, my bad, evil, dark side list is way longer than my good side, bright side, light list. And so I've lost that. And the reality is you can't lose that. You can't lose it. You can't lose it. You can only believe and walk in it. You can turn your back on it, and that's your choice, and God gave you that choice, right? And you might break your relationship, and you might fall into sin, and you might fall down, but God says that a righteous man falls down seven times and gets up eight, which means if you fall down 113 times, you're going to get up 114. Because that's who you are. Because God's called you to win, and it's in that envelope, okay? You might fall. Nobody's perfect. The Bible says everybody has fell short of the glorious standard of God. Nobody's perfect. One person ever perfect, his name was Jesus, okay? So then, here's where you find your birthright. It's in John 1, 12. But to all who receive and welcome, it's two-part. He gives the right, which is the authority and the privilege to become children of God. That is to those who believe in, adhere to, trust in, and rely on his name. This is our spiritual connection, and you believe this here in your heart. I can believe it in my mind, but that's only going to take me so far until some, until some Christian makes me mad, okay? And then I'm not going to like Christians anymore or Jesus because they represent him too, right? So it has to be in our heart because it's nasty out there, okay? That's just how it is. <laughs> so in your birthright, what you need to know today is the birthright that was originally given to Adam in the garden and the same birthright that was given to Abraham is also your birthright. That's also your birthright. And this essential blessing identifies your lineage in God's family, which is the creation of the world, the human race. And here's what it, it guarantees you three things. It guarantees you God's promises. It guarantees you God's blessings. And it guarantees you God's responsibilities. And we don't like that last one. Okay? But there's... When to whom much is given, much is required. So then once we know and believe, once we become believers or we believe again, that's when we're held to the standard to believe and walk in and lead for others, right? And so then he calls you a son or a daughter and he gave you those three things, the promise, the blessing, and the responsibility according to the birthright that he gave you, which we see in John 1.12. So then if you, don't, if you don't believe that you are an originally a creation, you need to believe that you're at least adopted. Somebody say, yeah. All right, so then, all, all the children of God are born again, okay? And this new birth is through the sacrifice of Jesus, and we find it solidified in God's word. 1 Peter 1.23 knocks his home for us. It says, for you have been born again. That is reborn 
from above, spiritually transformed from the inside out, set apart for his purpose, not of seed which is perishable, but from which is imperishable and immortal. That is through the living and everlasting word of God. So then, God's given you the right, which is a birthright, to be called sons and daughters. Jesus' death restores you to royalty. Everybody say royalty. It feels good, doesn't it? Yeah. So then your birthright gives you confirmation of who you are, which is great, but it also gives you the confidence to be who you are. It gives you the confidence to be yourself. So then there's no reason for you to, for you, to do you anymore. You don't have to do you anymore. That's exhausting, okay? Because it depends on what circle of people I'm in, it depends on who I am in that circle, right? And that's, that's tiring, so just be yourself. And so then you don't have to work for approval, acceptance, or attention anymore because God gives that to you. God gives that to you. You're going to find it in that white envelope. And so this is important for you to know because when you get to heaven, God's not going to ask you what status you achieved. He's not going to ask you, why didn't you have the house on the hill? He's not going to say, hey, how come you, why, why didn't you do this? He's not going to ask you about what you accomplished. And he's also not going to ask you why you weren't somebody else. He's not going to ask me why I wasn't Billy Graham. For the longest time, when I first started ministry, I thought, I want to be the next Billy Graham. No, I'm not. Sorry. I could try, but he's not going to ask me, how come you weren't Billy Graham, Dusty? How come you weren't Billy Graham? He's already made Billy Graham. He's going to ask me, how come I wasn't me? He's going to ask you, why weren't you you? Why did you spend so much time trying to be somebody else or do something else? Why did you do that? Why weren't you just yourself? God's not going to compare you to anybody else because he made you to be you, and he calls you his masterpiece. All of you have the title of masterpiece. And all of you sit here as royalty, right? And so you can be you and you can forget to do the things that you were doing before because you're a born-again believer with a birthright. You're born again and you have a birthright. They're your, they're your first two points. Here's the question to seal up point two. What would it look like? What would it look like if you stopped looking for human approval and only seek or sought God's approval? What would it look like to stop looking to others for their yes, and just believe that God's yes is already there. Believe that God already sees you as a son or daughter. What if you already believe that he said, this is my son who I love and who I'm pleased. I'm pleased. For me to understand and believe this guy was, was tough because I was a doer. This is where I lived. This, I love this. This is my ditch, okay? And because I lived in doing, I had, to, I had to wake up and be like, okay, if I don't lift a finger today, if I don't get out of bed today, now that's not permission to don't do that, okay? If I don't do anything today, I'm good enough, and God's pleased with who I am. That's true. That's true. So then I don't look to anybody for anything. Point three, the final point, God made you valuable. This is the best, so if you're sleepy, wake up. Wake up. Here we go. God made you valuable. Here's the question I have for you. How much do you think that you're worth? Don't answer out loud. How much do you think that you're worth? When people ask this question, you know what typically happens? We start tallying up our stuff. Well, my house is worth this. And my car's worth this, and my life insurance, Lord willing, you know, hope it don't, but it is. So then I would say, I'm, and they'll give you a number. And they'll give you a number. And self-worth doesn't have to do with that. When we talk about our self-worth, most of the time we confuse our valuables with our value. God says that you are valuable, not the stuff that you have, okay? And so you can be rich or poor, but neither have to do with what you're worth. And in reality... Isaiah 43.4, I'm going to give you an Old Testament and a New Testament scripture if you guys are taking notes. 
Isaiah 43, 4 says, you are precious and valuable in my sight. You are honored and I love you. That's how God saw you then, before Jesus. After Jesus in Matthew 6, he says, you're more valuable than any other creation on the face of the earth. It's Matthew 6, 23. Now, so then you should know that your value does not depend on what you think you're worth, because a lot of times we do that too. Well, I, well, I guess I'm worth this, or, or Jerry down the street would say that I'm worth this. Nobody else can give you that, only God can. And so depending on the day and how good we feel and how well we slept and how many green lights we hit, we might feel like, man, top of the world, I'm, I'm worth a million bucks today, right? And your value doesn't depend on what you think it is. It depends on what somebody else is willing to pay, right? If you've ever sold anything, you know that's true. I can, I can put my house for sale or my truck for sale, and I can have all my sentimental value and all that stuff. Man, this thing is worth this. But it's really only ever worth what somebody's willing to pay, period. So today we identify with how much God was willing to pay for you. It's the greatest sacrifice ever. You're a son or a daughter, right? And so you can set the value and you can set your own value. And you can look to somebody else for value, but only God can define that. Only God can define that. And only God can say it about you. Now, here's the unique thing about you. God gave you to the earth. You're here, three parts whole, and you're going back to heaven. Your body is just like a glove, okay? It's like a catcher's mitt. It's the best analogy. When your soul, when, I'm sorry, when your spirit leaves your body, that mitt falls dead like when I take my hand out of it from playing catch with my son. So your body will stay here and your spirit is going to go, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians says that you have been bought with a price. You've been bought and paid for by Christ, so you belong to him to be free, to be free from all your earthly prides. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 reference, okay? It's in, first, it's in 1 Corinthians. To be freed from all your earthly prides and fears. So then, he loaned you to the earth. Why would he buy you back? He made you, put you here, why would he buy you back? Why would he buy you back? It's John 3, 16. Love. For God so loved the world, which is the human race, that he gave his only son. He paid the ultimate price so that you could be freed, so that you could get back to heaven, so your relationship could be restored because sin broke that relationship. He bought you back because sin broke it. That's how much he values you. Only he gets to say that. Only he can, right? So then... Let's talk about why you should value you. The scripture says that you're not your own. But let's talk practically, okay? Let's talk practically. If you calculate every enzyme that's inside of you and all the hormones and every different thing that makes you up today, all that added together to recreate this person right here, all that added together would be around $6 million, okay? That's pretty good. Does that make you feel good? Six million bucks sitting in those seats. That's pretty good. No wonder plasma phase, right? Plasma, good grief. I feel like I'm getting ripped off now, okay? All right, now, and the reality is this. If, if you weren't here, so say you're in your seat and I need to just do a little bit of tweak, okay? That little tweak would cost me roughly $6 million, all right? Now let's step to the greater side of things. If we had to recreate you from scratch, so that is every cell, Every fiber, every joint, every, every, every hip replacement. If we had to do all of those, that's $6,000 trillion based on today's math in science and recreating you. We don't clone anybody, so thank God. 
which means you're what? $6,000 trillion to recreate you right there as you sit. You're priceless. You're priceless. I don't know, even the owner of the Broncos doesn't have that money, guys. Okay? I don't know anybody with that money. You're priceless. God made you priceless. God says you're valuable. And when he sees you, he doesn't see old. He doesn't see broken. He doesn't see tarnished. He doesn't see filth. He doesn't see any of that. He doesn't see tired. He sees precious. He sees valuable. He sees priceless. He sees his son or his daughter that he created. That's what he sees. That's what he sees. And what you need to know, if, if, you, if you had no value, first of all, he sent his son. That tells you how valuable you are. You don't need the $6,000 trillion mark, okay? But if there was no hope and there was no value and there was no eternity and there was no relationship and there was no want, God wouldn't have bought you back. That's how much he loves you. He bought you back because you're priceless. You're not priceless pertaining to money because God has all the money in the world. He doesn't need your money, okay? You're the king's daughter. You're the king's son. And the greatest ransom that was ever paid was paid for you by Jesus. He came to the earth. He suffered for you. God exchanged his son for your salvation, for your regeneration, so that you could be born again. That's what he did. Jesus gave his life. He traded his life for yours so that you could have eternal life so that you could live forever, so you could be reconnected with God in heaven. And the cross proves your value. I used to ask Oscar how much he loves me, and he'd always go like this, this much, this much. When you look at the cross, that's what you see. This is how much God loves you, not to be cliche or all that stuff. And so today I want to flip this a little bit and tell you this. If somebody ever told you that you are worthless, they're dead wrong. And I just want to let you know something. I grew up being told I was worthless a lot. That word, worthless, you're worthless. If somebody ever tells you that, they are dead wrong. Dead wrong. You're not worthless. You're priceless. Matter of fact, next time somebody says, hey, there's $6,000 trillion right here, bro. Look at this. Look at this. Okay? You just tell them. Okay? You're infinitely valuable to God because he's the one who made you. He put that price tag on you. So here's the question to wrap point three up. What would it look like if you stopped confusing your valuables with your value? What if you valued yourself the way that God values you? Not according to Instagram or TikTok or uh, Snapchat or I don't know what it is, okay? What if you did this? And guys, I do a terrible job of sitting and just letting you guys marinate because I'm, I'm, I just want you to get, to get to lunch before the other Christians do, okay? And so, this, what would it look like if you stopped confusing your valuables with your value? What if you believed who God says you are? What if you believe what God values? I'm going to close with this. So, here's the big question. How do you get to know the born-again, priceless person with a birthright that sits in your seat? How do you get to know that person? It's the action step. One, believe you are who God says you are. Believe. That happens here. Not here. Get out of your head. From your head to your heart. From your head to your heart. Go back. Go back and start at the beginning. Inquire. Reorient. Learn who God says you are. Believe it. Believe it. Then be who God created you to be. You guys already know that. Everybody knows that. We all know that, and that's our ditch. Knowing is such a curse and a blessing at the same time, isn't it? 
and then begin building your life on these truths. In this, there are 65 self-affirmations. Some of you guys have already seen it. Read these this week. This is who God says you are. You don't have to open it. You can take it with you. You were bought with a price. You were, it was sealed, okay? The purchase for you was sealed with the blood of Christ. That's what this is. This is who you are. This is your identity. Everybody say identity. Nobody can change this. Just like valuables and value have a big difference, there's really a really big difference between self-esteem and self-esteem and self-worth. And self-esteem is, is two part. One, it's giving somebody else the authority to tell you who you are and what you're worth, okay? That's what self-esteem is. You're not gonna find that in the Bible anywhere because it doesn't exist in the Bible. Self-worth does. Self-esteem is also what you tell yourself that you're worth. And we like to go, well, I'm just trying to be like my dad or I'm just, I'm just trying to do what they did or I'm just trying to get to that place or I'm just trying to buy this house. We just need this much more square footage or I just need another tractor or another car or another. And we just, we run that race so somebody can say, oh, wow, that's awesome. So then we can pay the payment and feel terrible about it, right? Self-esteem is what others say. It's giving somebody else the authority to, to tell you who you are, including yourself. But self-worth is what God says about you. It's how God identifies with you. So then your identity and your right and your worth are defined by God. So if you want to go and build your spiritual faith and you want to get on track to be healthy in 2023, it's going to start connecting with who you are. Today's a you day. It's okay to take a you day, by the way. It's okay to take you time every day, by the way. You need that. Because there's going to have to come a time where you, where you connect here and you care here and you compose yourself here because you're growing in this area, because this is saturating and moving through your whole body where people see salt and light coming out of you here because of who you are, not what you do, not what you do. So then the challenge is this, don't pretend to know it all. I did it as a pastor, it's not healthy. Do not pretend to know it all. You can leave this set there and you can go on and you continue to battle. I had 180 of these. I wrote it down to 65 for you. You're very welcome. It took a lot of time, okay? There were 180 of these that I said every day for nearly two years of my life, every single day. I still say these now that they're, my, they're in my heart because I was a baby. At 32 years old, I was a baby. And I went back here and I said, God, I'm gonna believe what you say about me. Screw the world. That's what I said, okay? And had, sorry to be frank, but that's it. I don't care what anybody else says. Lord, what do you say about me? Psalms 139, search me, God, know my heart, test me, know my concerns. Lead me nevertheless in the way. I want to be more like you today. Help me to find the son that you saved. Help me to connect with him. Help me to be him. How did I do that? Right here. You guys get a third of them. You lucky dogs. But every day. So now when I sit down once a week, I remember those times in that season of my life where I connected to this person and this saturated my whole being. And now people say all kinds of weird stuff to me and it's just amazing. I just say it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's just Jesus because I connect here because this is where we communicate with God. So then take this. Don't pretend you know it all. Your next step is to start believing what God says about you. Be that person. Begin to trust him. You got to build your trust with God. Father, I love you. Here's the other thing. If you believe this, when you start believing it, you become more like it. 
When you start believing, you become more like it. When I start believing this, I become more like it. I can believe this or this. This has been written since the beginning of time. He knew you before you were born. Formed every part of you. Or I can believe this. It changes every single day. It's just another thing. It's exhausting. These promises last forever. And they got you into heaven. That's why you can be born again. That's why you can be a baby. You can be born again with a birthright and hold value. You hold worth today in God's eyes. Thank you so much for joining us today. It means more than you know to have you with us. And to all of you who partner with us and support the mission of our church, thank you. We cannot be the church without you. Go ahead and click the link in the description to partner with us now, or you can visit thegrovefc.com forward slash partner. If you enjoyed the podcast, please take a minute to like and subscribe. And if you know someone who would benefit from hearing this message, share it with them. This is how the gospel goes forward. Thanks again for being here today. God bless you.